great God we serve. Can we give our God a hand this morning? Just worship our Lord. You may be seated, please. We're so thankful for you, for you being here this morning. Thankful for our great God that we get to worship and adore. Uh, just a few announcements this morning. Uh, God's been doing great things in the church. You know, last week we had our, uh, our life group launch, uh, and a launch event. We started a number of new groups. At this time, please pass the friendship folders down the aisle. That would be a great help to us. Uh, we had a number of, number of new life groups that are starting, so we want to help people get connected and uh, discipleship. You know, uh, growth happens in circles, not in rows, all right? So we come together. This is our corporate time of worship. We want to go to the next level where we get in, in people's living rooms, and we're just actually able to chew this stuff up and, uh, and get in connection with each other, in connection in with God. So I want to encourage you to, uh, if you signed up to be in a life group, follow through and, um, and be in those life groups. Give them a, give them a try and, uh, and see what God is going to do through, uh, through, you, through your life group this year. Uh, last week we had a number of baptisms. We had a, a fellow get baptized in the 930 service, Mark Lewis. And then in the afternoon there's a video floating around on YouTube. No, not on YouTube, on Facebook. Of, uh, we did a baptism in the Mon River, okay? George and Linda Deason. Can we give them a hand for that, huh? That was an exciting day. So I have to say that was my first time ever baptized in the Mon River, and I live to tell about it. And so we won't be doing any more of those until spring, all right? So those are done for the season. But uh, uh, if you'd like to get baptized, if you'd like to follow the Lord in, in baptism, it's just an outward sign of an inward decision that you are following Jesus Christ, please contact our office and, or stop by the Welcome Center and let them know, and we will get in contact with you and schedule your baptism. Uh, you'll see there's a, 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 an advertisement in there, I guess you call that a little flyer, Trunk and Treat is coming up. That is coming up here at the end of October, October 25th. Please uh, put this out and give this to somebody that you know. Invite them to come, somebody with kids. Uh, we're asking everybody this year, you have to go to the website. The, the website's on there and get your free ticket. And, uh, and, and the ticket will come on email like we've done for various other events. But uh, we, we want to really get the word out about that that's coming up. But we also need about 40 or 50 cars. We need 40 or 50 people to come with your car and hand out candy out of your trunk. Thus, trunk and treat, all right? So if you'd like to dress up, you can dress up. If you don't want to dress up, don't dress up, all right? But a lot of cars will be dressed up and the, they'll decorate their trunks, de uh, dress up as a costume and have some fun with the kids and hand out candy out of the trunk of their car. Uh, but bring a... Uh, bring a um, uh, a jacket, uh, uh, not, not a jacket, a chair, bring a chair, bring a jacket too, you might be cold, right? Bring a chair and, and place, the, place the chair out there, a lawn chair and sit by your car and hand out candy. So that's coming up. Uh, if you're going to do that, I need you to go to the website. If you look inside of the bulletin where it talks about trunk and treat in the bulletin, crossroadsministries.com forward slash serve. That is for you if you're going to serve. If you'd like to come and help with parking, we need a tremendous amount of help on parking that night, and we also need a tremendous amount of help uh, with cars and candy. So if that's you, please, uh, please go to there and sign up this week. And uh, if, you, if you say, man, I'd just like to sign up today, stop by the Welcome Center. Wade has an iPad out there, and he'll help you with that as well, all right? Uh, at this time, I'd like to welcome all of our first-time guests. If you're here as a guest, we welcome you. Thank you for being here at Crossroads. And uh, we'd like to invite you to stop by our Welcome Center in the foyer. We have a small gift just to say thank you for being here. 
And uh, at this time, if the ushers please come forward, we'll receive our morning offering. If you're here as a guest, please feel free to let this offering pass you by. This is for those that are regular in the grace of giving this morning. And as we give to the Lord, isn't our God great? I want to say thank you for your faithfulness in giving. God has been doing great things in and through the church. Uh, People's lives are being changed on a regular basis. Uh, There's so many things that are happening here. I can't even begin to thank God for what he's been doing. And just week after week, we're seeing something new every week where another life is being touched by Christ. Thank you for your giving and your faithfulness to the Lord. Shall we pray? Our Father and our God, we come before you and we thank you, Lord. Thank you for the opportunity to give to you, to bless your name, to honor you. God, I ask now that uh, as, as we're able to uh, give this offering to you, Lord, that it's from, the, the, from what you've given to us. You've provided everything we have. So we now pause and we say thank you for being God. Thank you for being the king of the universe. Thank you for being my provider. Thank you, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. Is it he?
If grace was a kingdom, I stopped at the gate, thinking I don't deserve to pass through after all the mistakes that I've made. Oh, but I heard a whisper as heaven bent down. Said, child, don't you know that the first will be last and the last get a crown? you've been enjoying getting in touch with what God talks about our brokenness and how do we deal with it. Last week, Pastor Luke brought in a, a good, good sermon for us on, on uh, Moses and how Aaron and her lifted up the hands of Moses. As the body of Christ, we come together and as we come, come together sometimes without asking and just holding each other up, uh, that happens through time. It takes time to build relationships like that. I'm excited about the life groups that are happening and, and the connections that are happening. So people are, are starting to build relationships and we're, we're taking this to the next level of relationship with God and with each other. And so God uses broken things. That's where I'd like to go today uh, because God uses broken things. And, and we have this idea that happens inside of us that whenever we get broken, whenever life doesn't go the way we thought it was going to go, we have a tendency to think that God doesn't want us anymore. And nothing could be farther from the truth. God uses broken things. And so as you're looking at your brokenness, you're dealing with some of your brokenness and, and the things that, that life didn't go the way that you planned it or maybe some even bad decisions that you made. Listen, God uses your brokenness and he uses it for his glory and he uses it for his purpose in your life. So you have a purpose. And you know, sometimes the, the, storms, are, the storms can rage, can't they? Um, Jonathan Falwell, he's the pastor of Thomas Road Baptist Church. He talks about how that uh, just this past season here, he was down in St. Martin, surprised his wife on a 25th anniversary to go to St. Martin. I thought that was pretty cool, you know. Uh, He gets the Husband of the Year Award for that one. But while he was there, they couldn't get out because the hurricane moved in. And, the, uh, and, the, and, the, and the, uh, no flights, all flights were canceled. So he had, he had to stay through the hurricane. And, uh, and he put up a picture of this total, de- total destruction, total devastation. And he says, this is the building that we stayed in until 5 a.m. This was our shelter until 5 a.m. Then they moved us at 5 a.m. 15 minutes later, the roof was blown off of that building. And so he was showing the destruction. But one of the things that he talked about in there was that how that after the storm, the storm was heavy, the storm was raging. After the storm passed by, the next day there was devastation everywhere, but the sun came up and it was beautiful. The sun came up and it was shining. The weather was warm and you couldn't even tell by the sky anymore that a storm was nearby. And and sometimes when we're going through these brokenness, We've got to understand that the darkest part of night is just before dawn. That there is something really good that is about to happen. While the storm is raging and while there is so much brokenness and you're you're wondering if you can even make it, you start going through and you say, wow, uh, look look how bad this is. Uh, Did you ever compare yourself to somebody else? 
Do you ever compare yourself to a neighbor down the street and say, you know, they don't even love God. They don't even do anything for God. And yet I'm having all this bad stuff happen in my life. Sometimes we can do that. It's so easy. We look at the other, look at somebody else and say, wow, you know, they've got everything made. They got the white picket fence, 2.4 children. Everything's working out just great for them, right? But in the meantime, here I am. I'm trying to serve the Lord. I'm trying to follow God. And what's happening in my life? I'm dealing with calamity. I'm dealing with all these problems. I'm dealing with bad decisions that even that I've made. Well, Over in the book of Psalms, chapter 37, the psalmist says this. He says, fret not because of evildoers. Fret not over that. He says, don't worry about what everybody else is doing because they are like the grass that will soon be cut down and the grass will be withered and will dry up and will blow away. He says, that, that's it. If, if, that, if, if they're not a follower of Christ, this is it. This 90 years, 70 years, 40 years, whatever years you have on this earth, that is it. You're the people of God. You have something much longer to look forward to. You have something much bigger that God is, God is working in your life. And then he goes on and he says to trust in the Lord and do good. And the Lord will give you the desires of your heart. Trust in the Lord and, and watch him give you the desires of your heart. That doesn't mean that you're going to get what you want. It means that he's going to give you the desires. Right now, you may be desiring something that you say, man, I just don't really, you know, that's really not what God wants in my life. Well, he says, keep trusting God and watch him change those desires. He gives you the desires of your heart. He will give you the desire, and he will cause you to help you to be able to follow him. If I could say it like this, the best is yet to come. The best is yet to come, and I really believe this. As believers, for somebody who is following Christ, if, you, if, you follow, if you're following Jesus Christ and you say, but you don't understand what I'm going through or what I have gone through, you're right, I don't understand. But I know this, the best is yet to come. I may not have lived your situation, but I can tell you from my own brokenness, the best is yet to come. I can tell you from everything we know about God's word, the best is yet to come. And so if we could start to believe that for our church, do you realize for our church, the greatest days for our church are yet to come. God is doing a new work. God is doing something new and exciting. And in your life, God is doing a new and exciting work. And yes, there were some incredible glory days of your life yesterday. But God says, I have something new for you. And I want you to be following me. I'd like to take you to a passage this morning. Jeremiah chapter 18, verse 2, is where we're going to pick up. Jeremiah 18, 2, uh, what happens here is the, the, the Lord would speak through prophets. And so God calls Jeremiah and he says, I'm going to speak to you. I'm going to give you a message for the nation of Israel. So, so this passage here was given directly in context for the nation of Israel. But I want you to take some application into your life today. Even though it was directly given to the nation of Israel, there are some principles here that we can take and we can apply to our life. He was about ready to give them some, some heavy news about some things that were going to happen. And God says in verse 2, he says, Arise to Jeremiah, arise and go down to the potter's house, and there I will cause you to hear my words. Then I went down to the potter's house, and there he was, making something at the wheel. And the vessel that he had made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. So he made it. He made it again into another vessel. 
as it seemed good to the potter to make. Verse 5, Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, O house of Israel, can I not do this with you as, with, as this potter has done? Look, as the clay is in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. I want us to think this morning about the potter and how the potter goes down uh, to the potter's house. He goes to this, uh, to the, to this location where, where he would do all of his work. And as he's doing his work, he takes out the lump of clay. And, and he, has, he has his wheel, and he's spinning his wheel, and he has the lump of clay, and he takes it, and, and the first thing he does before, he ever, before the wheel ever starts to spin, he takes the lump of clay, and he kind of just does this, and he starts beating it up. He's checking for pliability. He's checking for imperfections. And so he comes, and he takes those imperfections, and he is working out the imperfections. Uh, he may find an air bubble. He'll work that air bubble out. He may find a leaf. He may find something in there, and he pulls that out. And he puts it on there, and, uh, and that, that's the first thing that he does. And then he starts to spin the wheel. Uh, did you ever go see somebody do that? You know, uh, I, I've been on, I remember when I was a kid, they took us on a field trip. We got to see somebody with a potter's wheel, all right? And they're, and they're spinning the wheel, and as they're spinning, he takes his hand, and he dips it in a little bit of water, and he keeps forming this. And it just looks so easy, doesn't it? Until you try it, right? <laughs> and, and, but, he, but he takes it, and, and, and it just looks so easy. And then, and then as, he, as he's working it, there's a couple of things that happen here. Uh, now look what happens here. Verse 4, as the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter, so he made it again into another vessel as it seemed good for the potter to make. There's two things happening. The wheel is spinning. Let's let that represent life circumstances. You got things that are happening and they're crazy everywhere. And then there's the hand of God. And according to verse 5, uh, then the Lord says to me, O house of Israel, can I not do this with you as I can do with this potter? The clay, is in the, potter's, uh, the clay is in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand. The clay is in the hand of the potter. He says, so are you, Israel, in my hand. And I want you this morning to realize that you are the clay and God is the potter. And God asked the question, can I not do with you as the potter has done? He was, he was about ready to give some really heavy news about some, some stuff that was not going to be too pleasant for the nation of Israel and, uh, and the rest of chapter 18. But I want you to think about your life this morning. And, you know, there's times that God calls us to repent, and that's when he's, he's, he's working on us. Times that he says, man, you know what, there's some sin areas in your life. I want you to work on that. There are other times it's not sin. There are other times there's just things that he is molding and he is shaping you and he is molding you unto what he wants you to be. Now, now look here, as, as the potter starts working and he starts shaping it and, and he makes it the begin to look like what only the potter knows. Only the potter knows. When you watch a, pot, a, a potter and he's working and he's making, making the vessel, he, only he knows what he's about to make. I, I, you know, you watch an artist as, as they're working. You don't know what they're making until they're done. And so what is really, really cool, he says that as the potter takes the clay and he's shaping it and he's forming it and he says that the clay is marred and he says, I'm going to start over. 
I'm going to remake that. This is what happens in our life. The exciting part is this. The potter never disposes of the clay. In the passage here, the potter does not take that clay and scrap it. He takes it and he molds it and he shapes it into what he knows. And he shapes it with a purpose. You see, because God uses broken things. God takes the brokenness that we have and he's the one who's molding. He's the one who's shaping. And at times, you know what? When, when you, all of a sudden, you, you may be looking at your life and you're saying, wow, I'm starting to see the shape. I'm starting to see what God was doing. And then all of a sudden, oh my Life just changed. And all of a sudden, oh my, the potter says, ah, that's not, let let me keep working. Let me keep working because I am the potter, you are the clay. I am the one who is going to mold you and shape you. Our job is to come before the Lord with our brokenness and let him, let him, let us be pliable like that clay and let him work in our heart and in our life. Um, the, the clay may contain some impurity. It may not be uh, pliable. He continues to work with it. Oh, can I not do with you? Can God not do with you what the potter does with the clay? It's a beautiful, beautiful picture. A beautiful picture as he sent Jeremiah. He says, go down and watch him. And he's giving him an object lesson. He says, that's what I want to do with Israel. That's what I want to do with my children. That's what I want to do with you. I want to mold you, and I want to make you. And there's times that you're not going to understand. There's times that you're going to be, say, that's painful. There's times that you're going to question, what is the potter doing? You're going to, you're going to say, wow, you know, well, the potter didn't do that. And, you, you're going to, and, and sometimes the life circumstances, as the wheel's spinning and God's hand is interacting, we can have trust that God is reshaping us and remaking us. You know, God uses broken things. If you look through all, all the scriptures, you'll find that, that he made a, uh, a quite habit, God made quite a habit of using people with a peppered past. He used a, quite a habit of using people that were broken. Because when God uses something that's broken, he gets the glory. God doesn't come and look for great resumes. He looks for people that are broken, and he uses them mightily. Uh, let me give you just a few of them. Noah. We, you know the story of Noah. He come through the flood. After the flood, he gets drunk. Abraham lied about his wife. Sarah laughed at God. Jacob was a deceiver. We talked a lot about Jacob last year, Jacob and Joseph, and uh, what, what, what a deceiver that guy was. But yet God still chose to use him. Uh, Moses murdered an Egyptian. Imagine that. Here was Moses, one of the greatest leaders ever to live. Uh, he will, he's forever known as one of the greatest leaders, and yet at the age of 40, he murders a man. And God says, okay, here's what I'm going to do with you, Moses. You're going out to the desert And God takes him out to the desert, and he learns some incredible lessons for 40 years in the desert. And then at the age of 80, God says, "Uh, Moses, I want you to lead my people. I want you to go free my people out of the hand of Egypt. You see, God was shaping his life. God was molding his life. Uh, we, We look at these things, and we say, wow, I wouldn't choose that. But look at the people that God chooses. Uh, Moses was a murdering Egyptian. Rahab was a harlot. Gideon was fearful. Jephthah made a foolish vow. 
Samson had serious problems with women and anger. Eli failed, failed as a father. David was an adulterer. And then he took it a step further, and he plans a, 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 he makes a way to put the husband of the lady he's having an affair with, her husband, he puts him on the front line and gets him killed at war. Solomon married foreign wives who turned, turns his heart to idolatry. Elijah struggled with depression. Oh, you know, depression is so prevalent today. We have so many people dealing with depression, and, and depression is something that God says, uh, I'm not... I can't, it's not, I'm not, he doesn't say I'm not able to use you. See, even in our depression and our brokenness, God says, I still have a plan and I can use people no matter where you've been. Jonah ran away from God. Peter denied Christ three times. Paul argued with Barnabas. Barnabas compromises the gospel. James and John wanted seats at the kingdom. And all the apostles, they argued about who was the greatest. You see, God alone gets the glory when he uses broken things. So he's the potter. We are the clay. And, and the apostle Paul picks up on this language over in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7. He picks up on this language about, the, about jars of clay. He says, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. Uh, he continues on. Uh, he continues on in that passage, and he talks about how that uh, there's so much trouble, so much issues that they have to deal with. And, uh, and he says that it's in these jars of clay that the potter is made. See, the potter is shaping, and when the potter is working and shaping, only the potter knows what he's trying to make. But he says it's in these jars of clay that the gospel is, tre- that the treasure is hidden. And the treasure is the gospel. Now understand this. The gospel is the treasure. Jesus Christ, he, was, he died, he was buried, he rose again. And in us, jars of clay is the gospel hidden. I quite often use this, uh, use this thought that wouldn't it be cool if Jesus just took the stars and wrote Jesus saves in the sky, you know? And then next, next week would come up in Spanish, Jesus saves. You know, the following week would come up in Russian, Jesus saves, you know. And, and it'd be so cool. But no, God chose jars of clay. Jars of clay that he's molding and that he's making. And he took in those jars of clay and he put the gospel inside of us. And we get to bear that treasure. And it is for his glory and, and think about this. He says, uh, the, the gospel, because of the gospel, you are forgiven. Uh, you've been forgiven. God has removed your debts. There is no debt against you before God. Uh, you've been justified. If you've trusted Christ as your personal Savior, you're justified, just as if you've never sinned. Your state has changed before God Almighty. You've been regenerated. Uh, he's, he's transformed your heart. He's given you a new heart. You've been reconciled. You were once, the Bible says that we were once enemies with God, that he reconciles us unto him, and now we are the friend of God. So one time you were his enemy, now you're his friend. Pretty powerful, and that's hidden in jars of clay. Uh, You've been adopted. God has changed your family. He's given you a new family. You're in the family of God. He is your dad. You've been redeemed. You have a new owner. 
Uh, when, when you're redeemed, you've been bought back with a price. So, so God has redeemed you. He has bought you back with the price of his own son. Sanctified. He sanctifies us. He changes our behavior. The more that we follow him, the more we change. We become like our father. And, and Paul says here that God hides his treasures in jars of clay. You know, sometimes, uh, so, sometimes it's just an ordinary jar. And, and, and it's, you know, the greatest treasures come in ordinary jars. You ever seen Antique Roadshow? Raise your hand if you've seen that show, right? It's a great show on public broadcast television, right? You see a lady go on there, and, and she has a, a little ceramic clown, kind of a knick-knack type of thing, and, and she's talking to the host, and she says, well, you know, I found this up in my attic, and it belonged to my great-great-great-great-great-grandmother, and it was handed down, handed down, handed down, da-da-da. And, uh, and the guy looks at it, and, you know, she's thinking it's worth like 30 bucks. She, the guy looks at it and says, well, actually, these were made in Warsaw, Poland by a great Polish artist, and he only made 17 of them. And so today, if I were to take that to auction, I could get $45,000 on auction, right? And the woman just, huh, you know, her jaw drops because she can't believe this. I, that, that's what it's like. You know, so, sometimes, it's, uh, sometimes it's just a, a, something that's small and insignificant that is worth great value. And God says that he's hidden a gospel inside of jars of clay. I can't get this out of my mind because this is who we are. We are jars of clay. This is who we are. And, and we give God the glory. There, there was a fellow who found, found some scrolls in, in a cave near the Dead Sea. Uh, in 1947, in a cave near the Dead Sea. And there were three scrolls in it. He didn't know what they were. He sold them for $29. Turned out that they were some of the earliest manuscripts that we have of biblical writings. Some of the earliest manuscripts that we have. Now they're known as the Dead Sea Scrolls. But a, a, a shepherd found it in a, in a cave, sold them for 29 bucks. You see, God has great value, and sometimes it just comes in ordinary jars, and his greatest treasures come in ordinary jars and ordinary pots. But what, what do we know about clay pots? What do we know about a clay pot? Now think about this. A clay pot. Here's what we know about clay pots. Number one, they're fragile. Number two, they break easily. <clears throat> we went out to that store everybody likes to go to. can't remember the name of it. To buy these, right? It's out in Washington. They just opened up. It's a crafty place, right? What is that place? Hobby Lobby. There you go. I knew it was cool. Just can't remember the name of it. So we went out to Hobby Lobby to buy these. And what we found, and by the way, I bought three of them because they're so fragile. I was afraid I wouldn't make it through three services with these. I have three of them. So afterwards, if you need a jar, a clay jar, I have one for you. Um, we went out there to Hobby Lobby, and I'm looking on a shelf. And as you're looking at these, most of them are nicked. Most of them are chipped. Some of them have cracks. There was a couple of them had a big old chunk taken out of them. Clay pots are fragile, and clay pots can break easily. And yet, God says about us, he says that we are the clay jars that he hides his gospel in. He hides his treasure in us for the whole world to be glorified, for the whole world to, to lift up to God and glorify God. 
John MacArthur, in one of his sermons talking about jars of clay, he points out that God, when God wanted to communicate his message, he didn't go to the elite of Egypt, Greece, Rome, or even the elite of Israel. Where did he go? He went to the shores of Galilee, and he found a bunch of fishermen. Then John MacArthur adds these words. He says, I think God absolutely delights in that. And the fact that he chooses clay pots through whom to preach his great salvation message. He passed by Herodias, the historian. He passed by Socrates, the philosopher. He passed by Hippocrates, the father of medicine. He passed by Plato, the philosopher. He passed by Euclid, the mathematician. He passed by Archimedes, the father of mechanics. He passed by Hippocrates, the, uh, the astronomer. Passes by Cicero, the orator, and Virgil, the poet. And then he chose what some would tell us is a little hunchback Jew with a deformed face, without great oratorical abilities. And he put in that little clay pot the, price, the priceless treasure, and he's still doing it. God uses broken things. You may be in a stage right now where God is reshaping you. He's remolding you. Or maybe you're looking at your life and you're saying, wow, you know what? My life, my life has gone through tremendous brokenness. And maybe you say, well, I thought, I thought there was shape and form happening. As a matter of fact, I can remember a time whenever I was used. I remember a time whenever I used to help out in Sunday school. I taught little kids. I remember a time whenever I'd hold, hold the door on the front porch. I remember the time when I helped on the parking lot. And you can have all those memories. And you say, but man, you don't understand. My life got shattered. There's a Japanese form of art where they take broken things and they put them back together with gold and I want to leave that up for the for a while here because I want you to realize that some of your lives are looking just like this man it was at one time beautiful and then you were shattered and as God puts the pieces back together it's like gold with the gold of who God is he puts it back together and you are useful still for the kingdom of God God still has a plan. He has a purpose for your life. You are not thrown to the side. The potter did not take the clay and say, I'm done with it. Our God did not say, I see your broken pieces and just let you lay there. He's picking them up and it's with the gold. And sometimes, sometimes we are better after we've been broken. Sometimes it's after we've been there that these jar clays that have been shattered and all that we've gone through, that sometimes that's what happens to us. And we are broken and God puts us back together and it's with the gold, with the fine touch of the master. Jack Wharton said this statement when I was up at Word of Life Bible Institute. He's the founder of Word of Life Bible Institute, now today a worldwide international ministry for God. He since went on to be with the Lord in the, in the 90s. But he says this, that God is looking for nobodies who will become somebody in the hand of God. God is looking for nobodies that will become somebodies in his hands. In other words, you know what? God says, I know all about your resume I know all about your strength. I know all about your qualities, but I'm the one who's shaping you. 
I'm the one who has the purpose for your life. And if you will come to me, I will give you that purpose. Today, as we close the service, I want to encourage you to think about your purpose. What is your purpose? You know, God has designed us to serve. Uh, every, one, every one of our clay pots, God hid the gospel inside of us clay pots. We are fragile. We break easily. When we get around other clay pots, we break even easier. Uh, you, you see the shelf of them together. They're nicked up, and it's like that all over the place. And then God puts our life back together. And I want to encourage you to serve God, to take your life and serve God, to give, give of your time, your talents, your treasures. Give it to God because there's nothing greater. He's hidden his gospel in you. And you say, well, but I'm broken and, and I'm in pain. And let me share with you that I know about pain. I've lived there. I've been there and I experience it regularly. And yet, God puts our life back together, and he says, I have a purpose for you. And your purpose is not to sit there and be down all the time. Get up and serve God. Do what God's called us to do. I'd like you to, to lean forward to the uh, chair in front of you in the, in the little pouch there. There's a, a little green card that says, Serving at Crossroads. And I'd like for you to t- just to take that card and, uh, and look at that. Every, everybody take one. There's, there's plenty for everybody there. If you would take one of these cards, and I'd like to ask you to, uh, th- and this is not all-inclusive. This is just a sampling of some ways to serve. I'd like to ask you to start to pray about how that you can serve. Many of you are already serving. You're doing something. Uh, maybe for others, you say, well, I need, I need to make a commitment to, to serve regularly in some sort of fashion, something that I can do. And, and just watch what God will do. And maybe you'll start out in one area. Maybe you'll start out uh, on the parking lot. Or maybe you'll start out on the kids' team or on the teenager's team or on the worship team. And maybe God will change. Uh, you know, God moves us around all the time. I've served in just about every place in the church. God's moved me all around all through my life. And God wants to do that with you. And I want to ask you just to take this home, pray over it. Uh, maybe, maybe right now you say, there's, there's an area uh, that I can serve. Uh, take that, and, and you can fill it out, drop it in the offering box on the way out the door. Uh, if you go home, there's, there's a website, crossroadsministries.com forward slash serve. And, and you, you can just fill that out at home as, you're, as God leads you, or bring it in next week. But I want to ask you about your brokenness. Are you willing to let God put the pieces together and start serving him? Because that's what you're designed for. You're designed to give him honor, to give him glory, to serve him. I like what somebody said about Billy Graham. Somebody was asking one time about Billy Graham. How did Billy Graham last so long? You know, all his life he was such a man of integrity. Uh, God used him. And why could God use him? Billy Graham, he was just a humble man. And listen, Billy Graham had brokenness all along the way. You read about when Billy Graham's kids were not following God, when they were far away from God, and you'll read about a broken man. Yet he was all around the world telling people about Jesus. You, you know that he went through some extreme brokenness. And yet in that brokenness, God kept using him. And one man said this, the reason that God could work with Billy Graham for so long is because God could trust Billy Graham with his glory. Billy Graham's messages weren't anything spectacular. I love listening to them. They're just so simple. It wasn't an orator. 
He had a New England accent. And God used him because he could trust him with his glory. Do you realize in your brokenness, God's taking us to the place where he can trust us with his glory. And serving is not about fun. It's not about what I get out of it. It's about who I'm serving because the potter has made you for a purpose. Let's close in prayer. With our heads bowed and eyes closed this morning, I'd like to invite you to Christ. Maybe you've been a follower of Jesus Christ. I'd like to invite you to come back. Maybe you've not been following Christ. Maybe you say, Pastor Ken, I'm not a follower of Jesus. I need to take the first step and start a relationship today. May I invite you to do that? Just, just pray to the Lord quietly in your seat. Call on him if that's the desire of your heart and you want to open your heart to Jesus and start a relationship, there's no better time than right now to start. The scripture says, behold, today is the day. Now is the time of salvation. So if that's you, I'm going to invite you to pray with me just quietly, inwardly to God. Respond in prayer to God like this. Dear God, I need you. I'm a sinner. And I need a Savior. You died on the cross. You paid for my sin. You came back to life again for me. I invite you into my life right now, oh God. And for others, maybe your life has just been shattered. You're overwhelmed with grief, depression at times, pain, sorrow. May I remind you, God is there. Even though it doesn't feel like it sometimes, even though you're in the midst of pain, He's shaping you and He's molding you for His kingdom purposes. Will you respond to Him? Maybe start to make a commitment to live on purpose to live on the purpose of God because God is going to use that brokenness in your life for some great things down the road start take a step forward this morning and let him heal your life Father God I thank you so much for your love for your kindness God I thank you that you love broken people because there are no people that are not Thank you that you use broken people because we're just forgiven. We're still broken and you put our pieces back together. Lord, we come to you and we say, can you not be the potter? Lord, you are the potter. And as you ask Jeremiah, can I not do as the potter? We say, yes, Lord. Take our lives. Take our church. Mold us. Make us what you want us to be name we pray. Amen. Please stand with us as we close with this song again.